Well, global equities continue to work as we're seeing rotation really being a dominant thematic behind the scene. We've got the US dollar consolidating at the lowest level since June 2022 as the Aussie dollar outperforms significantly here. We've got commodity markets taking a bit of a breather with China being offline. But next week, next week is an absolute behemoth. I've never seen a week like this for a long time. We've got so many landmines and catalysts to drive markets. We cover all these factors and more in the trade-off. Well, hello, it's Chris Wesson here, Head of Research at Pepperstone. I'm going to be joined in, in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're going to be slicing and dicing all the news, the views and all the setups that are coming through our world. We've also got a special guest, Piers Crosby from TradingView, General Manager there. Really exciting uh, announcements and, and, and updates from, from Piers. Um, but we're going to be covering all the markets. I think I want to bring Blake straight into the programme. Blake, how are you doing, me old mucker? <laughs> I'm doing great, Chris. Good to see you, buddy. You too, mate. I want to give a shout out to Mikey Brown uh, and also your boy, uh, Ryan Littleston, who's just come out with the first trade off UK. For all those people out there who haven't seen it, go into the YouTube channel uh, and you can see that. You'll probably see it streaming in, in, in Trading View as well in streams. Great effort from, from the guys. Obviously, not quite as good as us, Blake. I mean, we're seasoned pros at doing this now, but uh, everyone should watch it. Different perspective, different thematics about how they're watching things. So go and check that one out as well. And I want to just also sort of say thank you all to everyone out there who condemned me to mock me, abuse me about my funky haircut. I'm 43 years old. I tried something. I failed. But as we know, Blake, in life, if you if you do something, you've got to cut it. It's like, you know, you're trading. If something's not working, you cut it. I've gone back to the old style. So I hope you're all happy about how that that's all gone down. Uh, yeah, I've learned a lesson. I won't try these things again. I won't try and be 24 years old going forward. So, and you're 24. Your <laughs> Mohawks over the age of 15 is a no-go for you. No, Chris, I know. It's like so skating, you know. isn't it? It's like, no one should be skating over the age of 35, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, with all that in, in mind, let's go straight to Topical Thunder. Yeah, Blake, I mean, I think after market, we're just seeing a little bit of sellers coming through in, in NASDAQ futures. We've just seen Microsoft's numbers coming out. I mean, I think when we saw them actual numbers coming out, they were pretty good. Um, you know, the stock rallied, but now I think we're seeing it lower in the aftermarket. That's taking Nikko, uh, NASDAQ futures a little bit lower. But I think it's interesting. You have seen such a big performance this year from global equity markets. I mean, we've got the Hang Seng before it closed uh, up 11%. Yeah, the NASDAQ's really been leading it in the US, up 8.3%. Uh, you know, you've got the, the euro stocks really killing it in euro terms, obviously, uh, you know, that's up nearly 10% as well. If we go and take the, the US equity markets, you know, it's really been this kind of bubbling rotation that's really been uh, the focus point for me. And that's where you've seen, you know, short interest as a basket up about 31% this year. So short interest stocks have been killing it with a with sort of a realised volatility of about 70%. Um, you know, low beta, sorry, high beta stocks have done really well. You know, you've seen uh, momentum stocks not doing so great, but it's really been junk that's worked and cyclicals to an extent as well have, have worked with the reopening. Um, but where are we now? You know, everyone's talk, talked about you know, the S&P breaking through the, the, the January 22 downtrend. We've got a, a whole raft of earnings that are coming through this week and next week as well. Yeah, where do you stand on, on the equity trade? Well, I guess the question is, where where are we trading? Where's the S&P trading, uh, you know, times earnings? What are we around 18, 18 times earnings? Yeah. Yeah. 18. Do you, do you think that that is a good value based on the current environment facing 
probably what could end up being one of the longer recessions that we have to live with globally. I, I, I just don't see the value right now. Now, does that mean you, you need to fight the tape? I, I know traders that do it every day. Um, and it's not really my cup of tea right at this moment in time, but I sure as hell don't want to be chasing the market up here, Chris, but that's me. That's my opinion. Um, but you know, I've looked at all the technical breakouts. I'm looking at the S and P I'm very, we're, we're, we've been pointing out the, the down descending channel in the S and P for the last, all of last year, all of 2022. Mm. Are we peeking our head above that right now? We are, but you know, I'm not really sure if I'm. If I if I've got the stomach to really chase markets at this at this point, well, I'll, I'll tell you so, here that we've got we've got the you, you bring up the valuation. I mean, we we don't trade off valuation, but we 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 react to people who are right. The price will move based on what their flows are doing. Eighteen times, it's not that punchy, you know. It's below the long term average, but you're getting eighteen times for basically zero earnings growth, and, and that that changes things. The equity risk premium needs to go higher, and I think so that changes things. If you were to trade this at twenty times, I think that you know the market is is a screaming sell. Uh, do we get that? Do we get up to those levels where price expansion you know gets us a twenty multiple? I'm not so sure we do, but let's bear in mind. Yeah, this week we've got IBM, we've got Tesla coming out. Tesla's implied volatility for earnings this week is 11% on the day of reporting. We've got Intel coming out next week. You know, you can talk about Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, um, you know, the McDonald's. All these names are coming through, and at a time we've obviously got this huge rent risk that we're going to talk about. So. Yeah, this market could be trading up to you know, 20 times by the end of next week. Who knows? Uh, or we could be down significantly. So I think buying volatility probably makes a bit of a bit of sense here. But one of the things, you know, and, and we're going to go right into earnings, Chris, and because and, I want to kind of lay out some of the companies that I think that we should be focused on this next week, because it, we are going into earnings season. And, and as we're talking about 18 times earnings, is it a value play? You know, one of the things that I learned early on in my trading career, and this is one of the things that I, it's always stuck with me because I am a product of trading the dot-com era in the late 90s, is valuations. And when, you know, I look at, and, and it's not so much even valuations where we're at right now, but it's where am I paying, what am I paying up for relative to where it was even last week or two weeks or a month ago? You know, if you're buying XYZ today at 100, but two weeks ago it was 80, are you the smart money or the dumb money? So, you know, those are the types of things that I think about now. And and that's, you know, the, based on the conversation we were just having. But let's talk a little bit about earnings because you pointed out Tesla. Tesla is tomorrow and, and the, it, <laughs> the expected volatility is insane. But 11%, we have yeah, IBM. 11%. Yeah, IBM. We have uh, Boeing. We have LVMH, which I think is an important. I think that's a, actually a really important stock to listen to, or to watch, just because you know that's all the high end Louis Vuitton and all you know all the, all the high end consumer stuff. Mrs. Right? Morrow's favorite oh, stock, eh? <laughs> no, I was going to say is Mrs. Westy's favorite store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But next week we got Facebook, we got Apple, we got Google, we got Amazon. Then we got the Fed. Then we got you know we have all sorts of things. NFT. Yeah. We have all sorts of things oh, ha crazy, crazy. happening next week. So we're going into a really, really treacherous time with markets that I feel might be a little, maybe on the high side valuation wise, 
But what are you what are you looking for next week, especially with these earnings, especially well, I mean, estimates? I mean, it'd be nice if every company beat expectations or missed expectations, so that, you know the market actually trended. But I, you know, obviously, that's not going to happen, or it's very unlikely to happen. So you know, you could get a situation where Apple comes out with fantastic earnings, but at the same time, you know, uh, uh, Amazon uh, you know comes out with poor earnings, and it sort of nets each other off. Um, but let's go through some of the numbers here. So Meta's the the stock that everyone loves at the moment. It had a shocker last year, but it's been trending beautifully. Yeah, the, the implied volatility in, in Meta is is the expectations of 11% move, similar to Tesla, on the day of earnings. So if you're holding Meta, if you're trading Meta, you know, you're expecting big moves. That's that's the way it is. I mean, you could sell Vol on the back of that, but uh, yeah, Meta's expected to move. Intel, you know, you're looking about an 8% move. IBM this week, 6%. Tesla, we talked about 10.7%. But Apple's the one, you know, that that, that is showing some signs of leadership. Um, and the market's expecting about a 5% move there. So look... Yeah, you know, obviously with the Fed meeting coming out with the ECB, the Bank of England, you know, payrolls at the end of the week. It's kind of all these different offsetting factors. Yeah, you know, it'd like to all just sort of trend in one direction. But yeah, I think we just need to stay nimble, be in front of the screens. Yeah, you know, obviously look at your position sizing, look at your leverage. I think that's that's where we need to be. So it's one where you know you, you've got to be in front of your screens to and be, and be the ability to be to be able to react is absolutely key here. Yeah, I agree. There we go. Okay, so we just bring to we mentioned it there. Central banks. We've gone down to central banks. So, yeah. you know, within that twenty-four hour period, the Fed kickoff, uh, and, and yeah, we're going to be uh, we're going to be doing next week's trade off five hours after the Fed meeting. So we'd have a chance to to look at the and digest the statements and and the actions that are taking place and market reactions there. Shortly after that, well, fifteen hours or so after that, we've got the ECB or the Bank of England meeting, and then shortly after that, the ECB meeting. Um, you talk about the payrolls at the end of the week as well. But yeah, just going into the Fed meeting, you've got the ISM manufacturing and also the JOLTS report as well. So again, you can just add them to the to the list of, of landmines to navigate through. Obviously, the Fed meeting for me is, is the thing that, that sort of encapsulates all markets because it's the closest proximity to the dollar and you know everything sort of keys around that. But the market's expecting 25 basis points. That's a lock on. My, I can't see them doing anything else. The market's firmly pricing that. But then it's going to be about what's priced out the rates curve. Um, so given positioning with the dollar, I think the market's obviously pretty short dollars. Yeah, how are you how are you seeing the Fed meeting and and, and you know, is that the sort of primary central bank meeting you're gonna be watching, or have you got your eyes more closely on the Bank of England or the ECB? You know, the, well, first of all, it's a great question. Good news is that we do are have to deal with the FOMC first. And and I agree with you as far as the, the quarter basis point. But what you know, most traders are really focused on is the fact that the Fed is going to be leveling off and finding that terminal rate and then possibly pricing in rate cuts. And and that's, you know, we're going to get into all that here in just a few minutes. So make sure you guys stick around. But the fact of the matter is, is that we have the FOMC first. They are going to show leadership. Then I, I, you know, we go to the ECB and the Bank of England, and I'm going to be keeping an eye mostly on the ECB because Mm -hmm. it seems like they're hell bent, or at least Christine Lagarde is, uh, to raise rates at least twice another another half a percent and a half mm. percent and yeah. and and with that being said i don't know if the bank of england's got the got the stomach to do the same thing and i wonder and this is a big question that i've had and i, I actually talked to your colleague um michael brown about this earlier today was you know will these european central banks uh you know the ecb and the bank of england and other central banks as well are they going to be any influenced by the fed especially if the fed uh, is 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 you know is is really going to press pause on the rate hike campaigns and if and we walk away feeling that way is it going to take a little bit of pressure off of them I don't, know I don't believe will, that 
I don't think it will, at least not for the yeah. ECB, but will yeah. it for the Bank of England? And that's that's the question that that I have. And and make sure you guys stick around because one of my plays today is going to be regarding the ECB. Yeah. But Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think a 50 basis point hike from from the ECB is a lock on, um, as I think it is with with the Bank of England, to be fair. Although there are a few economists who are calling for 25 basis points. It sounds like you're seeing a higher pr- probability than I, which you know, probably opens up some some pound downside. You know, you'd be looking to trade it against the crosses if you if you thought that they were going to go 25 basis points. But I think they'll go 50. Uh, I think the ECB go 50. But yeah, I think you're looking at a central bank that still has more work to do than other central banks. It's probably the ECB here. And I think the other yeah. one is, is 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 also what are they going to give a lot more announcements around their quantitative tightening program? The market wants some some clarity or further clarity around that. And so I think there's going to be. It's not just about interest rates and and, and the hikes and and what you know, their statement relative to what's priced in at the curve. But there's other factors with the ECB such as you know understanding that, that quantitative tightening timetable. So, yeah, it could be a big one. But I think in terms of market pricing around rates for both three, uh, for all three central banks, they pretty much nailed it to the T. So you shouldn't, in theory, all things being equal, get a reaction uh, from the, the rate hikes from, from banks. It's fully priced. So Should be priced. And, and But you know what? Here's the thing. We're going to be chock full of volatility with all this central bank activity. And I'm glad you guys and gals are sitting here with us here at the trade-off. Uh, to as we break it all down, but let's uh, let's shift into our last segment, Chris, and I want to talk a little bit about sentiment because, you know, I take a step back and and I know I know I'm not the only one. I look at the markets and I'm like, what is what is everybody thinking right now? And 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 are is the market playing chicken? And I know it's you know every, this is terminology that people have been using a lot, and it's probably way worn out at this point. But the market seems like it just doesn't believe. The Fed governors and nor other central banks, for that matter, as far I mean, financial conditions continue to loosen. Chris, mm. we got markets ripping. You got cryptos that are flying. I mean, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Why are they ignoring central banks r- right now? And why? What What are your thoughts? Well, here? I'm going to go into a chart in, in a second on on rates because I think it's a really interesting one, and it's and it and and, and it it needs to be explored. Um, but central banks are banging a drum. The markets are, 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 are pricing an, a, a, a different distribution, or they're, they're, they're expressing it in rates as a, as a different, as a, as a way of expressing that probability, uh, which, we'll, yeah. as I say, we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, like I mean, I think in terms of sentiment, the equity markets, certainly the US, have been buoyed up by by rotation. So you've seen you know short interest working really well. You know cyclicals have been buoyed up by what's been happening in in China, the reopening there. Growth stocks are now taken over. Um, um, and if bond yields were to fall on a, on a real basis and, and a nominal basis, then yeah, I expect tech to continue to work. And I've got to trade on the back of that as well. Um, obviously, earnings are there. But I mean, if I look at sentiment now, yeah, if you have a look at hedging activity on SKU, for example, normalized SKU in the options market, that's come right down. So people have been taking those puts off the table. You've seen that in the put call ratio. That's come right back down. So hedges have been unwound. You look at the VIX in itself, you know, we're trading sub 20%. So yeah, I think if I look at sort of the classic sentiment indicators around hedging, yeah, they've been reduced. So pe- markets are sort of pretty free to move around. And we've seen you know, a lot of junk working quite well. So I think this is a market that 
that it's looking pretty good. Um, I think sentiment's pretty hot. You know, Aussie dollar's been the best performing currency this year, followed by the Kiwi. Um, the question is, is has it got too hot? Are we due for some um, for, for a bit of a rollover? Now, I got this wrong last week. I, I suspected there was going to be some further downside after we saw that really poor retail sales number. You know, equity markets were coming off that downtrend, and we, you know, we looked at Aussie, Aussie, Aussie Swiss as a, as a trade, which worked really poorly, to be fair. But you know, markets have rebounded, and they've called a lot, including myself, offside there. So, but I think sentiment's been pretty hot. The question is, is can it last? Can it continue to push through? So that's where we are, I think. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm the same way. I mean, I was with you uh, playing the dollar max to the long side. Even though we got a spike back above 19, it just quickly dissipated and, and that bullishness dissipated as, as equities continue to rally. So I'm with you, Chris. Maybe we were just a week early in this in this uh, in this case study that we're doing with the markets. But I, I'll tell you what, sentiment I believe is a little, little, little little stretched here and I think the market's going to have a little a, a bit of dose of reality as we well, have you brought up a really good point and that's the financial conditions index and you know that, that in my opinion that's that is something that, that a lot of people need to understand is that the the market's pricing of inflation expectations throughout this year is that it's going to dissipate and come down sharply the financial conditions easing could change that situation, and and that could be very problematic towards the end of the year or midway through the year. So, yeah, that's not going to sit well with central banks. This idea that 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 the inflation's heading in the right right direction, but financial conditions could derail that progress they're making. So, when does that snap? When do they come back and hit this one? So, definitely one to consider there. Anyway, let's go to uh, that's a setup and see some of the charts on mind. I want to bring up the rates pricing. I mentioned it in 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 the, in the earlier synopsis. What I got is here is a, is 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 a trading view chart. I've split the screens. Obviously, one of the great things about trading view is you can do those split screens. Now, the top one, what I've done is I've used Euro, Euro dollar futures. A lot of people now we use uh, we use Sofa futures, um, but yeah, I've used Euro dollar futures here. So you can trade these markets. You can trade these um, to understand rates expectations. You know, regular viewers also know that I I, I regularly roll out this. And what I've done is effectively. Um, uh, you can see in the top left-hand corner the code for you to, to plug this into into, uh, into into trading view yourself. But what I've looked at is the rates differential, the yield differential between the euro dollar June 2023 contract and, 20, uh, and, and December contract at the top. So really what we're looking at is the, the extent of rate hikes or rate cuts in this case that are priced in for the second half of this year. What we've used on the bottom one is the euro dollar futures contract for December to December 24. Again, this just looks at the, the level of rate cuts that are being priced into these this interest rate markets. It's not my view. This is actually a product that you can trade to express a view. We call these calendar spreads, really. So what we're looking at in the top one is we can see 46 basis points of cuts being priced into the into the into the second half of this year, and we can see what 140, nearly 150 basis points of cuts being priced in for next year. So Blake, with that in mind, we talked about it there. The markets just are, are, are seeing rate cuts coming through. They just don't want to be moved away from that, even though central banks are saying we're going to be up there for longer, higher for longer. In my opinion, to get these rate cuts, it's going to see a need to see a sharpening of financial financial conditions. We're going to need to see economics really coming under pressure and equity markets rolling over. Rolling over. So what they're pricing here is pretty dark. If, it, if we are to get these pricing, it's not going to come at the moment. We, we need to see something really bad, right? <laughs> yes, Chris, thank you for bringing up this chart. And by the way, that lower panel does not look like the euro US dollar. I'm just kidding. Everybody, yeah, yeah, euro dollar yeah. futures, completely different product. Um, but but yeah, that's the thing that's scary. And it's like, why? 
why is the market ignoring this, um, Chris? And and it and it and it is a bit of a scary look that you bring up. Well, I'm just glad you bring it, it up. Is, yeah. is it set up? They no, priced I, in I a do. scenario. I, anyway, maybe I, maybe they've hedged the downside through rates. But, you know, I, I, do we get 50 basis points of cuts this year? It doesn't feel like to me. Maybe there's a trade in there. But I think they're, they're hedging themselves against the rollover. You know, you can buy equity and hedge yourself in, 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 the, in the rates market effectively. That's how I think maybe we're seeing things. Pacock. All right. Well, hey, you know what, <laughs> Chris? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn your attention over to the Kawaji. Come on, man. You know, right. I know I got a lot of slack for the You come co-wedgie. out with a chicken noise and you come out with a co-wedgie. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> What's going on there? So, you know, this is this is actually a four-hour chart. Uh, typically, throughout the trading day, I, I tend to look at four-hour charts versus a daily chart anyway. But I want to give you a little bit of a condensed view of a wedge that was setting up. It, it's, it's actually a bullish wedge when you have consistent highs and higher lows. That yep. means th- there's a higher probability of it breaking higher. But that doesn't mean that it can't break lower. Matter of fact, as we are speaking, post New Zealand uh, inflation data that just came out, it's it's trading a little lower, right at trend line support, right at that support lo- level at this moment as I speak. Right. And um, you know that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to break down, but it's a setup. So if we break down, you know, do we head back down towards sixty-two cents? I think that is a risk. If we do break out, you know, we're probably going to be looking at sixty-six cents, mm. um, and it's going to follow risk. And with all these earnings that are happening over the next couple of days, if you're a non-believer like me, I might actually be betting against that Kawaji, and that would be lower. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Here? Yeah, well, it's, the, the inflation number came out seven point two percent on the headline, and you know, we're trading lower. And I think maybe the, the, the sort of the pullback that we've been seeing in, in, in Nasdaq futures in the aftermarket. Uh, is, is perhaps weighing on some of these high beta risk currencies like the Aussie and the Kiwi, but yeah, I mean this is this is the thing with trading, isn't it? Like you can have these setups on there, you can have your alerts, you can you can wait for it to complete. Let the market push you into a trade. Patience is your best friend in trading. When the uh, when the setup is complete, you have a higher conviction, a higher probability of, the, of a better outcome. Uh, so yeah, I mean you bring up a chart that's a setup. This is a setup. Wait for the completion. Let the market reveal its hand. This is what patience and this is what trading is all about, for my opinion. If you're trading on these uh, these slightly longer term timeframes, but you can adopt the same principle in a shorter term one. So yeah, for me, this is great. It's a great chart. Yeah, which way does it go? We don't know yet, but does it matter? Doesn't matter. Respect which way it goes, though. That's my, my view on this situation. So yeah, cracking yeah. chart. Bit of divergence on there, you can see. My, my RSI made a higher high, my price made a higher high, but the RSI made a lower low. So maybe that's what we're seeing. Maybe that divergence is playing out. Maybe those risks are skewed to the downside. We'll have to see what happens there. Anyway, do you know what, Blake? With that awful chicken noise and that terrible... <laughs> Uh, title. I'm going to give you a red card, or a yellow card, should we say. You're in the Simbin for five minutes. I'm going to bring in Piers Crosby from Trading View. And I want to talk to him a little bit about what's going on in his world at the moment. Welcome, Piers. How are you going? Doing well, mate. And uh, thanks for having me. I mean, obviously, I didn't expect to start this uh, conversation with the chicken noise, but that's uh, obviously <laughs> a great intro. So uh, yeah. uh, great to have you. And uh, thanks for having me. That's good, mate. It's good. Anyway, let's just talk about let's talk about what's going on in Trading View. Um, you know, I just want to, before we go into some of the statistics and the growth numbers and some of these you know, staggering numbers that we've been seeing, um, let's talk about markets. Yeah, you know, it's been an interesting 2023 so far. Um, the dollar's down against all currencies, bar the Noki. You've got yeah, you know, the markets were expected to see a re- we're expected to see a recession in the US uh, in the first half. You know, that, those recession calls have been pushed back into the second half. Equity markets are loving that with the reopening of China helping as well. Yeah, you know, what we call we call the Nasdaq up nearly nine percent. Um, yeah, you know, junk stocks are working well. Short interest stocks are working well. Yeah, you know, what are you seeing from trader activity? You know, different cross asset class in FX you know, stocks. What's the sort of flow? Yeah, how are traders trading the markets at the moment from your platform? 
Yeah. So, I mean, of course, there's a ton of variation, right? And and one thing that is definitely interesting to see on TradingView is obviously, you know, a lot of people getting very aggravated on either sides of the market. Um, mm-hmm. So in, in very dull times, if you will, there's a lot of kind of complacency where everybody's kind of buying one side of the trade or selling one side of the trade. But uh, in terms of the last few months, we've seen much more heated conversation, you know, and that also has to do with people having, you know, massive downtrends in their portfolio and wanting to, you know, really, you know, kind of buy it all back or get it all back in, in that next trade. So um, the divergence, I think, of conversation that we've seen is is actually pretty compelling and, and actually does lay very well into your story, specifically about, you know, kind of the rollover of the U.S. dollar in combination with an increase in rates in combination with a very, very sketchy earnings season. I don't think anybody's very, very confident about the numbers that we expect to get. And hmm. um, I know I heard you guys talking earlier about Microsoft. Interestingly enough, I mean, they, they've grown, but, you know, they've really slowed to kind of a snail pace of growth. And, and there's a big question, I think, on everybody's mind is, you know, with these kind of uh, growth rates kind of slowing down substantially, are we thinking, you know, a lot of the NASDAQ is kind of becoming more of a value play rather than a growth play. Mm. And so there's a ton of conversation around that recently uh, on TradingView as well. Yep. Uh, all in all, I will say the, the overall market is very much sketchy at, at best. And, and yeah. definitely nobody's, you know, all in in, in, in the kind of uh, literal sense, but also in the metaphorical sense, yep. just due to a lot of the headwinds I think we have coming up. Cool. I want to I want to bring up something that's really exciting um, for us and, and for for our clients as well. I mean, we've just seen the um, the, the Trading View Trader uh, the Broker Awards. Um, you know, obviously with Pepperstone, we've been we've we've partnering up with with Trading View for for over a year now. We've been rolling this out for clients to be able to express a view. You know, be able to research and be part of the community and execute and monitor their trades both desktop and mobile. And it's been huge take up from clients as well. But we've just won uh, the Best Broker Award. Now, talk us through that. The people have spoken. Uh, what exactly did they see? Well, people's choice is is slightly different. We have a couple of awards, but you guys won Best Overall. So. Overall, that literally means, you know, uh, we, we monitor everything from the quality of your technology to the customer reviews to the amount of engagement that you guys are actually putting in on the platform, all in combination. So in some small way, this show does its part, right, as uh, yeah. it contributes to the overall success of a given broker on TradingView. But, um, but to win best broker overall really uh, signifies, broadly speaking, kind of the uptake an interest in Pepperstone across TradingView mm. on a global basis. And that yeah. is really kind of bar none, uh, incomparable to anybody else we saw this year. Wow. Now, obviously, you know, a bunch of brokers um, may have built a previous business in, in prior years. And, and that's because, you know, maybe they were established players and they, you know, quickly rolled into the market. But the ability for you guys to get up and running and really hit this thing full speed has been pretty much the biggest separator between you guys and anybody else in the market. And it shows the numbers really prove itself. You know, the traders have spoken. And I mean, ultimately, what you can see is a ton of chatter, not just around markets and, you know, FX and futures and CFDs, but also, you know, broadly speaking, I mean, uh, people are talking about Pepperstone, which is obviously a good thing on TradingView. Um, so yeah. in general, it's it's pretty exciting. We haven't seen this kind of acceleration curve from an adoption standpoint. Um, for any other broker that we've had so far. And so uh, it does really play true to um, your guys' growth strategy and ultimately people choosing Pepperstone. Yeah, well, kudos to the tech guys who have who've helped uh, implement them on both sides of the uh, yeah, trading view and, and Pepperstone equation as well. And those numbers are increasing every day in terms of the uh, you know, people who are, who are placing trades and monitoring using trading view. Let's go to actually trading view itself. So, you know, you've seen um, what user growth up 35% year on year. You've got over 33 million 
staggering numbers, 33 million users on a monthly basis who are, who are, you know, who are having accounts and, and, and are using TradingView. Um, but, and those numbers are going to increase, in my opinion, you know, things like this, strength begets strength. And, you know, you get those kind of momentum, you sort of, you just, you, you cannibalize the whole space, I think, more than anything else. So, yeah, going into the 2023 awards, yeah, what do brokers do need to do themselves to keep up with the pace of change, the user growth? Yeah, I think things like pro- product innovation, you know, spreads, you know, trust, client satisfaction, all these factors. What is it that, that, that you know, the, the, the various factors that you think, based on, you know, the user experience, that it is going to win you the award in 2023? Uh, well, of course. I mean, our growth has been substantial, and it obviously has been a, a banner year for TradingView. Uh, 2023, we'll see how fast the markets turn around, or if we can continue to have kind of choppy motion. Obviously, you know, user growth will be somewhat reflective of that. Um, you know, in terms of the end of 2023, it's very hard to tell from my perspective in terms of who's going to be the next big winner, uh, due to the fact that we have a lot of other folks coming on board as well. But Really, I would say, you know, what is considered to be unprecedented territory is uh, the ability of a single broker to launch multiple asset classes on TradingView and, you know, to offer more securities, more products, um, more, you know, whether it's crypto, whether it's futures, whether it's CFDs or FX, um, you know, brokers really want to kind of adopt this, uh, you know, multi-asset model Mm. um, specifically because they know that, you know, if I'm a trader in Japan versus a trader in Australia, there's a ton of variation in what I want to trade and, you know, crypto is big in some markets and doesn't exist in others. And so um, really people realize that TradingView is a global platform. And so if we have so many customers, you know, why can't I tap this market in Brazil versus this market in, in Malaysia? And so yeah. um, a lot of the focus, I think, in terms of 2023 is going to be on, you know, how can I trade more diverse assets? Um, and of course, you know, the most important thing is that you actually keep customer service at, at 100%. And, and broadly speaking, continue to do what you guys are doing. I mean, overall, like I said, I think that Pepperstone's response rate is is bar none uh, in terms of what we saw versus the other brokers. And that's that's a huge, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, win for you guys. Um, yeah. But, you know, in terms of now you got to put up double the numbers you did last year, right, in order yeah, yeah. to continue that growth trend. Um, yeah. I mean, you said, like, the momentum thing is big for TradingView. Um, so we definitely think the same will will go for a lot of the big brokers in the space yeah. as well. I want to talk innovation because this is yeah the things that really excite me and 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 yeah you've got to keep ahead of the game. So yeah, I, I just take case in point. So we're going to be streaming this in 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 TradingView Streams, which has been taken out of the beta stage. We did it last week. We've got some really good numbers there. Um, so that's a really exciting development for me, and I'm going to sort of be looking to do more webinars and, and, and streams through there as well. Um, you know, you've got over 100,000 um, custom indicators. You've got you know, candlestick recognition. Yeah, the community evolves all the time. You know, knowledge is, is improving. People are getting uh, an edge in some capacities through that. So talk to me about short term. I'm talking about you know, the next year or so, the next 12 months in terms of the, the management and your, and your Exco team in terms of the innovation that the, the traders are going to benefit from? What really excites you? Uh, well, I mean, I think that, so we have obviously a ton of plans that I can't disclose, but what I can tell you and, and what we're happy to share with, uh, with the Pepperstone team is, of course, continuing to expand the relationships that we've built so far in, in more strategic ways. So um, I think, you know, in the next few months, you'll see a much tighter kind of integration with Pepperstone as we, you know, try to introduce more customers uh, as well as kind of, offer more products and services to those customers that already use Pepperstone. So I think there's a ton of innovation coming uh, specifically around the broker integrations we have today. Um, in terms of the product overall, what, what we've really been working on recently is 
the integration of more news feeds and more information. And obviously, traders need this. And basically, for many traders, you know, news is their lifeblood, right? You know, uh, you die by a, the tick or or really kind of uh, the re- the latest release from the F- FOMC. I mean, you know, a minute's difference makes makes a ton for a trader. So. Um, so we're trying to pull in more content sets. Uh, that's going to be a big focus of us in the next couple of months. Wow. Um, yep. And we're also trying to diversify um, what we do on the social side of things. So, yes, yeah, streams is going to be huge for us. But in addition to that, we're, we're launching a lot around uh, uh, kind of high frequency chat. And historically speaking, we've had some kind of direct message chats, but we're actually thinking about more message board style. So, you know, you want to kind of join a community of thousands of folks talking about Apple or talking about, you know, the dollar trade, uh, we feel like we can make more open networks where people can actually share this information um, and, you know, kind of have a more high frequency kind of chatter back and forth. And wow. it's a it little bit a lonely, of a, it can be a lonely uh, life uh, as a trader, right? You want to share your experiences with people. <laughs> exactly that. And, and broadly speaking, I mean, like uh, I used to work at a company called Stocktwits. We did this quite well. Um, I do understand kind of the the need for traders to, you know, have, um, you know, compadres, if you will, in the good times and the bad times. And so, uh, no, it's it's super important for us to to make sure that traders are connected, and that's um, that's going to be a big one for us. So one one quick one uh, before I think we those are the big things. Yeah. One before I let you go, and, and obviously you can't reveal your secret source that you, you you may be putting some dev work into. But you know, I'm looking at some of the developments on AI at the moment. ChatGPT is the buzzword at the moment, and I'm looking at things like I'm putting in coding into ChatGPT to say, right, give me a, a systematic strategy. I don't know how to do Pine Pine code. Um, Pine Editor. I don't know the coding for that, but I don't need to. I can plug it into into ChatGPT and it spits out the code for me, and then I can just I can I can I can use that to write a, a systematic trading strategy in in in, in TradingView. So that's something that I think is going to have absolute legs. How, you know, what excites you over the next five years? Is there something if you look for your your your, your Crosby crisp, uh, your crystal ball and say this is going to be huge <laughs> and it's going to influence our business on the tech side? What what one thing stands out? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say that the crystal ball, the old Crosby crystal ball, is pretty pretty blurry these days. <laughs> yeah, right. Much of uh, much in terms of a long term forecast. I mean, you know, the Chat GPT stuff is is very interesting. You know, I actually thought it was kind of um, nonsense when I initially uh, saw on LinkedIn this guy was creating a strategy using PineScript and you know doing a full backtest on the platform. At first, I thought this has got to be a scam, and so I actually followed and I looked at his profile. Turns out that he is actually inputting. Um, I guess the core code base of PineScript, which is on the open web. So ChatGDP can actually read the entire taxonomy and library and how PineScript is actually functioning as a code base. Um, so if PineScript already, already knows like how to you know use PineScript, then ultimately you just got to ask it questions. And so, I mean, that is a huge frontier, I think. Um, honestly, I would love in, in three to five years, I can just tell ChatGPT uh, to you know, make me some money and ultimately, you know, just sit back and. So what's the trade then? Are we are, are we are we short uh, programmers? Are we are we shorting programmers who, who do this professionally and, oh. and and going along trading view point script? <laughs> Automated trading strategy. <laughs> Great trade. I think I think uh, in terms of we still need our developers to actually build the systems and engineers for um, for the for the traders. But um, but yeah, wow. If we can if we can really start coding things in ChatGPT, like 
maybe I just fire everybody and you know take over the whole thing myself. <laughs> well, let's but, hope not. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, wrap I'm gonna... it up. I'm gonna wrap it up there. So uh, great interview, some great insights from Pierce, and it's really good that you know obviously uh, that, that people are uh, are seeing the integration between Pepperstone and TradingView working really well. And they're getting great utility and you know finding a, a, an edge where they can as well. So thanks for your time, Pierce. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna Blake Brack into the program, but uh, we're gonna go into Play of the Day. Right, this is a bit of a contentious one, Blake. We're going to bring you back in. Welcome back, my good sir. Um, yeah, I want to look at a pairs trade. So long short strategy. I love doing this. This this world is. I'm concerned about the Nasdaq. I mean, obviously it comes with risks. We know the risks, and they are that you know we've seen Microsoft obviously saying something in the, in the earnings call. Um, but next week we've got well, through this week we've got IBM, Intel. Um, you know. We've got the, the plethora next week. We've got Apple, Amazon, all these kind of names, Meta. Um, so, yeah, being long NASDAQ obviously comes with risk. Um, and I want to offset that by being short uh, the FTSE against that. The FTSE is obviously coming basically on, near its all-time high. So we're seeing a little bit of underperformance recently. And, and that's starting to show some, some weakness relative to the US markets. But most importantly, if you look at this as a ratio, so what we do is we go in the equation uh, and we look at the outperformance of one market relative to another. Now, I haven't currency converted this, but you can see the NASDAQ is, at, is, is showing dominance against the FTSE. Uh, I think that yeah, a little bit of weakness in this ratio, I'd be looking to express this by going long NASDAQ and, and uh, short FTSE as a pairs trade, currency adjusted there. Uh, I want to wait for a little bit of a, a pullback in this situation, um, but I think I'll get that and then I'll be looking to express this. I think the, the NASDAQ's going to go on to outperform the FTSE is the bottom line there. All right. Well, I'm not going to be quite as tricky as you, Chris, but uh, my play of the day is going to be the Euro Aussie. Matter of fact, while you put me in the box because of the yellow card for saying <laughs> Kawaji, um <laughs> I actually got long some Euro Aussie because... Australia CPI numbers just came out. So oh, wow. as you and Pierce were, were chatting it up, I was actually getting along some Euro Aussie as a result. We came right down to support. I don't know where our chart's at, Chris, but it'll come up here in just a second. Um, but as it came down to support there, I picked it up right off of that support level. What was, right the, what was, the, what was the number? What was the number? You're keeping me in suspense here. Uh, well, let me see if I can if I can get you the data. Uh, we came in at monthly CPI, came in 8.4% actual versus e- expectation, 7.6%. Now, remember, that was December. Uh, yeah, 1.9 over 1.6 expected uh, quarter over quarter. So some big numbers. But remember, that was then. That's not today. So today... I'm buying some Euro Aussie ahead of the ECB next week, which I think is going to be more of a bullish play as far as central banks go. So um, that's why I'm playing that Euro Aussie on the long side. I, again, I love that 38% retracement. The 38% retracement comes in right at 153.30, 153.40, depending on what feed you're using. But everybody should be using the Pepperstone feed when they're using TradingView anyway. And if you were, you, you you know that we came within a whisker of that support. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of buying the dip here ahead of next week's big ECB explosion. Yeah, cool. I mean, I was on the, uh, on the short size of Aussie Swiss last week. It was wrong. We cut out the trade. You do, you know, it's like my hair. You, you basically change it when you can. Um, Aussie Kiwi is an interesting one. You know, have a look at the daily chart of that. That looks like it's got further legs to the upside there. So interesting one. We've got the RBA meeting, not next week, the week after. Again, 
makes 25 basis points. But this CPI number, I'm guessing, would have seen interest rates further out the curve moving to pricing a little bit more. Anyway, that's all we've got time for today. If you stayed with us this far, thank you very much. Click the like button, leave a comment on some of the stuff that you've been seeing and hearing, whether it's about some of the market calls, market thematics, or whether it's about the uh, Pepperstone uh, Trading View partnership and how you're trading uh, and finding utility. Great to hear all your comments. Blake and I love reading them. We'll see you more for next week.